everybody, and welcome to First and Goal, the hardest hitting, up and coming ACC and SCC football podcast on the internet today. It is a beautiful Saturday, February 19th, the year 2022. Today we're going to be discussing the 2021 Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. They finished year three and nine, two and six in ACC, and finished sixth in the Coastal Division. But with all that being said, before we get into this thing, go ahead and buckle up that chin strap, go in that mouthpiece. It's going to be a hard hitter. Let's get it. All right, everybody, welcome back. And how the hell are you doing? This is First and Goal, like I said. I am your host, Ben. Joined here, as always, by my co host, the one, the only. Big Rob, how the hell's it going, man? Hey, I'm doing good, my brother. Doing good. A beautiful day. Sun is shining. Great day to talk some football. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. The sun's out. The drink's cold. Absolutely ice cold. Yes, sir. Wonderful time to talk some football. And I say, let's talk about these 2021 Yellow Jackets. Let's talk them 2021 Yellow Jackets. Talk about a team like a roller coaster ride. I mean... Could you imagine the emotions of Georgia Tech fan experience this year? Oh, man, I'm telling you. Just so much up and down with this team, man. I mean, they're on the cusp of being a great football team. But something generally happens each and every game that just kind of just makes the plane crash into flames. Yeah, man, I'm trying to tell you. They just – it's like you said, they're on the brink the very brink of being a, like you said, a great football team. I mean, not, I'm not going to say outstanding, but a very good football team, especially in ACC, a contender, yeah, so to speak. And instead, for the third consecutive year, you only win three games instead. You've won nine games in three years. Yeah, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, man, they're – Win-loss record, their stats, nowhere knit matches the potential that this team actually had last season. No, it really don't. I mean, how this team, you look at them, they lost four games last year by seven points or less. I mean, that very well could have – this team very well could have been a 7-5 and five team instead of 3-9. and nine. Yeah, and they also lost one game by, I believe it was 11 points. Yeah, so really, I mean, if you throw all that in there – all right, that's five games, so you could have very well been an eight and four team. Absolutely. But like they say, you're only as good as your record at the end of the year. And your head coach, Jeff Collins, this is his this was his third season as your head coach right there. He's an Atlanta native. And when you look at him, you say you're only as good as your record. His record at Georgia Tech as a head coach, nine and twenty-five. Yeah. And if you look at that first glimpse, you would think what the hell's going on down there? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And just looking back at some of these games last season, watching a little bit of that Miami game, watching some of that uh, Boston College game, you know, watching some of the other games, man. Uh, I just don't get it how this team ended up with only three wins this season. I really don't. I mean, that defense was smothering with Miami, man. I noticed that defense this year. They had – it was an outstanding front four. The linebackers were very well playing also. They had 
an incredible pass rush. Yeah. I mean, if you play Georgia Tech, you can go ahead and count on your quarterback not being comfortable at all. The whole no, game. He's no. going to be on the move the whole time. And really, the best success for a quarterback against Georgia Tech would be to roll outside of the pocket like Jerkovic had to do with Boston College. His most success came from rolling outside. But if you ever bought those extra couple seconds, that secondary got exposed. Yeah, it really did. It really did. But, I mean, also, those linebackers and some of those secondary guys, they were actually really good at stripping the ball. Yeah, this is a team that was very ball-hungry for sure. It's just... I hate it for Jeff because you look at the record saying 9-25. and 25, I mean, a lot of people, he's going to catch a lot of criticism. But if you actually watch the games, I mean, this is not a team that lacked motivation whatsoever. This team laid it all out there. I mean, left it all on the field every single Saturday. Played their asses off. They, really. played, they, they played with a lot of heart, a lot of emotion. Some of that shows up with some of the dumb penalties that they had because of the emotion. But, you know, at the same time, man, if you don't leave it out there all in the field, you can't say that you're a decent football team. That's right, my man. That's right. And it just, it sucks. But, I mean, you look at where Jeff came from. 2017, 2018, he was the head coach up there at Temple, coaching for the Owls. And for the longest time, we've all known Temple to be a pushover team. And the last several years, they've kind of made a little bit of a turnaround, started getting some winning seasons in, that, seasons in there. And, I mean, all that started – Really think about it, a lot of that started a little before and during the era of Jeff Collins when he was coaching there. I mean, he had a 15-10 and 10 record. And that's not setting the world on fire, but at the same time, when you coach in the Temple, that's a hell of a record. That's doing pretty damn good, man. Damn right. And you look at him before that, I mean, 2015, 2016, he was a D.C. for the Florida Gators. And in a lot of ways, you say, well, Florida wasn't that great those years. But their defenses did not lack a whole lot. They had very strong defenses those years. And before that, 2013-2014, has D.C. down there at Mississippi State. Yeah. I mean. And, and you can tell he's, he's a very defensive-minded head coach, especially, you know, since considering that he was a linebacker's coach at a couple of other schools in the past. That's right. That's right. And, I mean. You can tell when his defense is on the field, this is a very defensive first team. Absolutely. I mean, those guys, it's just crazy to think the games they lost because most of those games they lost, they led in a ton of these games, and they just couldn't quite put it away. Something always bit them in the, back, bit them in the rear end about the third quarter, fourth quarter. Started, things started catching up with them. Started catching up, man. The other teams would adjust, but the OCs or you know even some sometimes the DC wouldn't adjust with the other team's adjustments, and it just left them exposed. Well, that's the thing, man. Football is a game all about adjustments. You got to have a good game plan, and then when you go out there, if you're playing a decent coach on the other side, they're going to see what you're doing, and you might get up on them a little bit, but they're going to make adjustments. Yeah, and. Especially on the defensive side, if you got a DC, he makes adjustments nine times out of ten, and he's going to stop what you're doing at that moment. Absolutely. So then it's up to you to make your own adjustments to, how do I say it, to coincide, yeah. I guess, with what the opposing coach is doing to counter them. The thing I love about football, man, and I'm not a very good chess player, but football is very much a game of chess. 
That's right. You've got to try to be one step ahead of your opponent at all times, kind of see what kind of adjustments they're going to make and try to counteract those adjustments. You almost have to be a mind reader as an offensive or defensive coordinator. That's exactly right. I mean, there's things you got to experiment with, too, in the middle of the game. Sometimes you might give up a big play and it might bite you in the butt, but you got to experiment a little bit during the game just so you can say, all right, I can try this. This doesn't work. Or if it does work, you say, okay, if they make adjustments to what we're doing, we get hurt, I know I can switch over and start doing something more in that direction, maybe catch them off guard, moving the ball that way. That's 100% correct. But you can't be – one-dimensional. You cannot be one-dimensional. And I feel like Georgia Tech starting out in the first half would get one-dimensional because they would start with stuff that actually worked that let them put points on the board. But they would stick with it the whole game. There was not never an adjustment made to try something different. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And I mean, I feel like a lot of that falls onto Dave Pattonude, who was the OC from 2019 and 20. 2019 through 2021, he was also the OC at Temple for Jeff Collins. He got fired this year, though, after scoring zero points the last two weeks of the season. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, blowout games. Yes, yeah, 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 that's exactly right. But you look at his offense. His offense, yards per game, ranked 98th in the nation. That's not very good. All right. His rushing yards per game was 57th in the country. You say, all right, well, that's. A little bit better than average, a little bit in the better half of the nation. Not perfect, but he's still in the better half. Right, but you got to take one one thing into consideration. What you got? They ran the quarterback a lot. I was just getting ready to say that, man. A good rushing offense is nice to have, but if your quarterback's the one who's accounting for all those yards, one – you're putting yourself in a little bit of jeopardy because your quarterback's taking a lot of punishment. Absolutely. A lot of hits. And two, you better have a quarterback that can sling the ball out there and spread the ball all over the field. Because sooner or later, defense is going to shut that down. And I think that's a little bit of the issue this year is maybe not so much on the quarterback. Hell, it might not be on receivers, but for whatever reason, they never could get a very consistent attack as far as passing the ball, spreading the ball on the field. They was not very consistent with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's in a game plan. I don't know if it's in the quarterback, the receivers, what it was exactly, but they did not have very much success throwing that ball. And don't get us wrong, man. I mean, the quarterback did have some beautiful throws. Look at that throw that he had in the back of the end zone versus Miami. I believe it was in the second quarter. Man, that thing was on target. It was beautiful, beautiful trajectory, beautiful placement. But there wasn't enough of that. That's what I'm saying, it's not good enough to only have two or three great throws. That shows you have the potential. You have the ability to do it. But at the same time, you got to be able to do that all the time. You've got to be able to, when your team leans on you and they need that throw, you don't need your teammates on the sideline saying, I hope he can pull this thing off. I don't know if he can do it or not. I hope he can do it. Yeah, hope don't have anything to do about it. you got to be able to say, I know he can do it. He's got this. That's right. You got to be able to, and also, you got to have that confidence in yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. And when you're not getting the ball downfield, mm-hmm. pushing, didn't even cut you off there. No, you did. But when you're not able to push the ball downfield or spread the ball out in the passing game, that's going to mess with the quarterback's confidence, and that's also going to influence him a lot 
more to tuck the ball and run instead of sitting back there trying to find a receiver. Absolutely. In all your great mobile quarterbacks in time, can roll out to the left or to the right, make it seem like they're going to run, and then be able to pull up and get the ball down the field with placement and offset any sort of a spy that the, that you, that the defense might have on them or a couple of guys covering the flats there, get it over the top and get some yardage. But if you ain't got a quarterback that can do that, you're screwed. Well, that's exactly right. See, as a quarterback, you've got to adapt. Being a dual-threat quarterback is all good and well. It's great to have the ability to pick up yards on the ground when you need to. But at the same time, if you're going to have any kind of durability in this game and any kind of duration to your career, you're going to have to learn to throw the ball. I mean, you look at Michael Vick. When he bursted on the scene in the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons, he was running all the time. And everybody, hell, I was one of them. Everybody loved watching Michael Vick back in the day. Yeah, he was magical. He was magical with that football. Running it. Mm-hmm. But those Atlanta Falcons years, they had – I think they had one good season where they went to the NFC Championship. They lost to the Eagles. Yeah. But besides that, they did not have a whole lot of success as far as winning football games, going to the playoffs, and actually being a contender. Just like the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, they were always on the cusp. That's right. But when Vic came back after all of his legal issues, and this is a football podcast, so we're not going to be getting into all these legal issues. I'm not going to dive into that. It's a whole other animal. Absolutely, man. man. I mean, you know, what he did was wrong, but <laughs> it's football. We ain't talking about that. Yeah, exactly. I'm not diving into none of that mess. But uh, when he came back from all that trouble and he went to the Eagles, he had a lot more success with the Eagles than he did the Falcons. But a big part of that reason was when he came back, he was a lot more of a throw-first quarterback than he was run. He had actually got with a coach who – Andy Reid at the time mm-hmm. was able to help him develop his arm talent, help him with his accuracy, and on Vic became a very prolific passer his last couple of years with the Eagles before he went on to be a backup at some other programs and or teams, organizations, whatever you want to call yeah. the NFL. And there's been several other quarterbacks. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson right now. Lamar Jackson looked great his first couple of years in the league running the ball around. Yep. The team started relying on him solely doing that and said, okay, we're going to make you beat us with your arm. The success starts to fall off a little bit. Yeah, about a crash and burn sort of thing. That's right. We ain't going to call Lamar Jackson a bust. He's far from that. No, uh, no, no, no. Not a bust, but I mean. The success ratio. Yeah, the success ratio plus, I mean, it seems like they depended more on Lamar to be able to get the running yards and to actually have a decent running back back there. Don't get me wrong, injuries played a big role this past season with the, the Ravens, but you got to be able to, to to hit your receivers downfield to, to offset some of the defense like I was talking about before. That's exactly right, man. That's exactly right. But see, also, what I'm getting at with all this here is these quarterbacks are run first. They struggle in the passing game in general mm-hmm. when you're running a quarterback more and using them as an actual throwing quarterback. And it shows right here. All right, they're 57th in the nation with rushing yards per game. But when you look at their passing yards per game, they were 103rd. That's a big fall off. Big, big fall off. And when you're in a close game 
losing by seven points or something, team scores on you, and you got the two-minute drill going on, something like that. Running the ball down the field ain't going to get you that ball game. No, not at all. You got to get down there. You got to be able to throw the ball. Got to get down there quick, especially if there's no timeouts left or if you've only got one or two timeouts. You know, who's to say, you know, you don't, you can't get out of bounds in time and there goes the clock. That's right. It's all about clock management. That's exactly right. But also, I mean, you get an incomplete pass, what happens? The clock stops. Clock stops. But there goes the You can throw the ball away. Clock stops. Yep. You go to run the ball. Unless you get to that sideline and getting out of bounds, there ain't no stopping that clock. Absolutely not. So, yeah, it looks great. It looks flashy. It puts points on the board. And there's nothing wrong with getting a jump out the hole like that. But you got to adapt. You got to be able to play on both sides. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with a mobile quarterback just as long as he's got some sort of throwing ability. That's right. You got to be able to do both. You got to be able to do both without a doubt. Absolutely. And just. I don't know. It's, it's just kind of frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. I hate to keep using that word with some of these teams frustrating, but it's just when you're talking about a team that's three and nine, two and six, finished sixth in the coastal. And four of those games were settled by seven points or less. And then you got one more, those eleven points. Mm-hmm. That's all very winnable games. And in almost every single one of those games. They led. Yeah. They started off leading. Yeah. I mean, look at look at that. I hate to keep going back to that Miami game, but it's just a prime example to me, man. I mean, you're coming into halftime. You've got the lead. You caused turnovers. You know, they would throw the ball deep. Receivers would catch it. They would strip the ball twice in a row. Two consecutive drives. They would strip the ball and not be able to do anything with it. That's exactly right, man. See, also, when you take off in a game like this and you get the lead early, a lot of people's going to try to throw shade at the defense and say, well, the defense should have been able to save the game for them. The defense is what costed them those close games. Defense is what loses you close games. That's not entirely true. If you don't have a balanced offense, if you don't have a balanced offense, okay, and all you can do is run the ball. You're not able to throw it. Once they figure out your game plan, you go three and out, defense right back out on the field. You go three and out two, three times in a close ball game, all of a sudden that defense is getting tired. They're getting gassed. Creates opportunities for the other team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been harping on it for the last two episodes in a row with defense, man. I mean, like you said before, famously really, if the defense ain't getting their rest, they're going to be gassed. You can't, you can't ask a man to make stops whenever he's he's needing oxygen. And that's right. And see, Georgia Tech secondary was already not the best. They were not the best at all. No. I'll, just, I'll just put it point frankly. Just they wouldn't good, but they wouldn't hoard. They were pretty damn horrid. They were 123rd in the nation out of 132. I mean, okay. So, you were nine teams away from being the worst program 
in the league with pass defense. But again, that pass defense, they had a good enough rushing attack, rush, pass rush. They had a good enough pass rush to where they kept pressure on the quarterbacks and forced mistakes, which creates turnovers, creates bad throws, all kinds of stuff, gets them off the field. But as we all know, the defensive line, that's some big boys. We ain't known for stamina. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I know. I've been there. <laughs> linebackers. Linebackers. Ain't known for stamina. So, you can go out there and make a stop. Drive or two. But at the same time, the worst nightmare for a defense is for the offense on their same team to not be able to move the ball at all. Because a lot of people don't understand. All right, you can run three plays. Average, say, what, two, three minutes? Yeah. You're going to run three plays. If you don't get a first down, defense back out. Two, three minutes, that's not a whole lot of time to catch your breath. No, not really. And, and another thing, a lot of coaches, they want to talk depth. We need depth at that position. I mean, depth is all well and good, man, but you're playing your best players on the first team D, your second string. I mean, they they might be good, but they don't have the experience that your starters would. And they're there to give the first string guys a breather, giving them an opportunity to rest. But when you bring them out and you got those guys in there, that inexperience can make some very costly mistakes. Cost you a game, quick, fast, and in a hurry. And see – there's a whole lot of difference if your offense goes out and they go three and out, and okay, you only had two minutes to catch your breath after being out on the field for a decent little drive, going, giving everything you got. All right, you come off field two, three minutes, you're back on the field. Come off field for another two, three minutes, back on the field again. That adrenaline's going to wear off at some point. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. cardio is going to wear off at some point. It's going to kick in. But if your offense goes out there and gets the first down, well, that two, three minutes, all of a sudden, now you're looking at six minutes. They get two first downs, all of a sudden, you got ten minutes to catch your breath. Big damn difference in ten minutes and three minutes. Absolutely. And, and the quarter of the game or the time in the game is a big difference, too, because you start out first quarter, everybody's got you know fresh lungs, fresh legs. You come in you know, two or three minutes, come back out, I mean – you're still going to be tired, but you're not going to be as tired as what you will with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And that's exactly right. See, Georgia Tech, where they struggled the most this year, if you look at their games, was about the last four or five minutes, four and a half. Yep. And then when the fourth quarter kicked in, they struggled in the fourth. Yep. They could never really do much in the fourth quarter. And that's a telltale sign. Of a team just getting exhausted. And I don't care how much conditioning you do. That's like people talk about boxers. You ever watch boxing? Oh, yeah. UFC, any of that? Yes, sir. Some of the best fighters ever. They'll sit there and say, oh, man, they gassed out. They're just out of shape. They're out of shape. No, they're not out of shape. These guys train harder than any average person ever will. They are professional machines the way they work out. And these college athletes are no different. Mm Mm-hmm. But the human body can't take so much. I don't care who you are. And there's a big difference in, you know, the stamina that you build up 
working out, getting ready for the fight or the game, but then you add emotion into it too, I mean, that's even more physically draining than, you know, running the plays or throwing the punches. That's like if you've ever been really mad. You lose your temper and just lose your composure. Let your temper consume you. Yep. Or let your adrenaline take over. All right. You might have a burst for about five minutes. Hell, maybe even ten minutes. Just wide open everything you got. But you ever notice when you get really mad, give it about an hour later. Or even 30 minutes after that wears off. You're exhausted. Yeah. Once... Once that adrenaline dump, uh, dump goes away, I mean, you're about ready for a nap. You crash. It's just yeah. like an energy drink. You drink energy drink, you're all jacked up, and then when it wears off, you crash. Yep. Body shuts down. Body comes out of overdrive. Got to coast. Got to cool that engine off. You got to recharge the batteries. That's exactly right. And if your offense ain't moving the ball and you ain't getting time to recharge your batteries, don't look good. No, no, not at all. Because exhaustion leads to frustration. Frustration leads to mistakes. You're like an energizer bunny that's only uh, doing it doing it halfway with those symbols. That's exactly right, man. <laughs> that's exactly right. And I mean, let's hell, let's talk about this defense. Well, let's talk about defense. Your DC is Andrew Thacker. Came on in 2019. He served at linebacker coach at Temple in 2017, and they promoted him to DC in 2018. And then Jeff brought him along with the switch over to Georgia Tech. 2019, he's still there right now serving as your D.C. But from 2008 to 16, he served at five different football programs. Yeah, he, he was a drifter. But he started off as a grad assistant, then worked up to little position coaches here and there, all at D.C. So he's steady, been progressing. Yeah, absolutely. He's progressing. Uh, like I said, he's a journeyman, but, you know, it, he's he's improved with each and every location that he's been. That's right, dude. And, okay, I, told, I just showed you the stats on how bad the offense was. All right, you look at the defense, the rushing defense this year, 99th in the nation. They were ranked 115th in the nation yards per game. All signs of a bad offense. You ever notice every team you look at, if they got a bad offense, it's going to hold that defense back. Yeah. And you'll watch games, you'll say, well, that defense was good. How did they rank so bad? Mistakes. Mistakes. Mistakes, getting tired, and, and just losing your head, really. That's right. I mean, you look at their passing defense, like I said a little while ago. 123rd in the nation. That's awful. Yeah. I was trying to be nice. But But at the same time, it don't matter. You can be the best defense in the nation for three quarters. But if you're exhausted when that fourth fourth quarter rolls around and you ain't able to get no pass rush back or get no pressure on that opposing quarterback, they're going to pick you apart. Absolutely. And, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks this past year they played against. Boston College, you had Phil Jerkovic. Mm-hmm. You had Uli Ungele at Clemson. Yep. You had, um, what the hell's my man's name from Virginia? Um, Old left-hander. He was. Yeah, he, he was good. I can't remember his name, though. Damn good. You had quarterback from Pittsburgh. Yep. Van Dyke from Miami. That's right. I mean, 
These are all very, very, very good college quarterbacks. These are not guys you can afford to give a ton of time to. Oh, absolutely not. And it showed up in that Boston College game. It was really a perfect game to watch to understand this team because every time they got pressure back there, Jerkovic looked very much mortal, so yeah. to speak. Looked very yeah. human. But every single time, well, what happens, Boston College finally made some adjustments and said, okay, we're going to start play action and we're going to roll them out. Once they rolled him outside the pocket, he got a few seconds to throw. He started slinging that deep ball. What happened? Yeah, once he started running that bootleg, man, they started burning it up. Exactly right. So, it's just a game of adjustments. Yeah. That's all it is, man. It's it's a glorified chess game on the gridiron. Without a doubt. And if you can't be consistent on both sides of the ball – you could be in a world of trouble. Mm-hmm. But everybody says defense wins championships. Offenses cost you championships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's been a lot of teams out there that's had bad defenses. If you got a good offense, you know what? You can still get in a shootout with the best of them. Make a hell of a game out of it. And you don't have to have... The world's best offense, man. I mean, if you have, I mean, look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in the early 2000s. That defense that they had was incredible. Possibly one of the best defenses ever out there. Your offense, on the other hand, I mean, they had a couple of decent players, but they were they were mediocre at best. But they still won a championship. Their offense. I'm not gonna say they're mediocre, but their offense moved the ball. Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, you had Keyshawn. You had that running back, uh, Dunn. Yeah. You had a couple of running backs. You had Warwick Dunn. Mm-hmm. And you had the Mike A-Train. Austin. You had those guys picking up yards and getting your first downs. But also yeah. Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson's not known as no Hall of Fame quarterback. He might be. There goes the damn cooler again. <laughs> that scared the hell out of me, both. I Very interesting. But, um... <laughs> Brad Johnson's not no John Elway. No. He ain't no Brett Favre. He ain't no those guys. But Brad Johnson, what he did was he didn't turn the ball over very much. He protected the football. And he could dink and dunk, keep the chains moving. Yep. Get that defense some rest. Yep. Because, you know, after they won that Super Bowl, that offense got a little bit worse. Yeah. What happened? They quit going to the Super Bowl. And they quit going to the playoffs. Yeah, pretty much. Defense got exhausted. Warren's out, but he ran out of steam. Yeah, once Warren retired, once that uh, linebacker. Simeon Rice. Yeah, once Rice retired, they also had a linebacker. I can't remember his name. Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks, thank you. A lot of these guys, man. Yeah, once they got that championship, played one or two more years, couldn't really get the – couldn't really get back to the promised land, man. They called it a day. But – I don't know, man. I mean, I'm still on the train of defense will win your championships. Offense wins your games, absolutely. But like Ben said, man, if you don't have an offense that can keep the clock running, get your defense rest, I mean, you're 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 in a world of hurt. That's exactly right. <laughs> but <clears throat> so what was your opinion? about that running game minus the quarterback that uh, 
Georgia State had. Georgia Tech? Oh, yeah, Georgia Tech, excuse me. It wasn't bad, but it could have been better. I would have expected it to be a lot better, considering as much as they ran the quarterback, you would think they'd be able to do some zone reads off of that. Mm-hmm. Hand it off the tailback, everybody's going to key in on the quarterback. You think mm-hmm. There's several things you would think they would be able to do to key in on the quarterback to open up holes in the rushing game, make it a lot better than what it was. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't nowhere near what it could have been. In, in your offensive line, I mean, we always talk about the offensive line, too, and how they played. They actually gave a little bit of time, but it just seemed like that running back couldn't kick it into that extra gear to really get more than two or three yards at a time. I mean, he, he did every on occasion, but it he, he just wasn't really what they needed back there, I don't think. Nah. And see, here's another thing also. You look at Boston College game. You look at the Virginia Tech game. You look at the Virginia game. All three of these games, I saw something that stood out to me more than anything that I really picked up on. What's that? Normally play action. Play action, the whole reason for that is to set up time for your quarterback. Right. And to make the defensive backs come up because they're thinking it's going to be run. Well, it's going to make defense. You're going to have enough of a rushing game with your tailback. Defense is going to stack the box where you can yep. run play action to get it over top. Right. But they didn't do that. And then when they tried to play action, the defense never even responded to the tailback. They wouldn't even. They never even touched them. They never once. The linebackers didn't key on the tailback. They were literally running straight past tailback and just drilling the quarterback. Yeah. And it happened each one of those games. Georgia Tech jumped out to an early lead, and the defense has zoned in on that and started pinning their ears back, tearing up. Now, it did open a few good big run plays for the running back off of that. Now, my question, though, is how much of that is the quarterback not reading the play right and how much of that is just play calling? A good bit of it's going to be play calling. But it's like I said, when you run your quarterback that much, it's the perfect opportunity to get the ball, delayed handoffs, things of that nature, halfback draws. Right. To the halfback. Just like on those play action plays, if the running back actually had the ball on those plays, he'd still be running right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there was a few times where he did get the ball and he had big plays off of it. But instead of Georgia Tech going back to it and trying to incorporate him getting more touches, they just never really adapted to that. Never picked up on it. They just kept running the living hell out of their quarterback. And it got him success. It got him in some close ball games, but at the same time, I feel like in a lot of ways, it also cost him a bunch of ball games. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, and again, if it's if it was the reads that were wrong, if the quarterback just wanted to keep the ball itself, or if it was just play calling, either way, man, it, that's like we talked about last week. Football is a team sport all the way around. It can't be around one player whatsoever. You know, your quarterback is your field general, but you're going to have to include the other guys, man. Well, unless you're Cam Newton in 2009. Well. <laughs> that man, I'll give him credit. He single-handedly carried Auburn all the way to a daddy. Yeah. 
there, what happens when he gets to the NFL, though? Oh, when you get to the NFL and everybody's a big-time playmaker and they don't see what you did in college, they know what's coming. Yeah, exactly. But he did, win NF- he did win the MVP one year. Yeah. Did win the league MVP one year, so I can't take that from him. Yeah. But. And he also helped Peyton Manning get a Super Bowl. That is true. But then you look at his later years after all that happened. Team started forcing Cam Newton to throw the ball. Cam Newton's career has not done very well the last several years, as we all know. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, man. I think he might be forced into retirement this year. I'd say there's probably a very good possibility of that. But see, I hate always. I know I reference South Carolina a lot. Yeah. I try not to do that because I am a Carolina fan. But, see, that was the beauty of the game plan Carolina had in that Duke's Mayo Bowl against North Carolina. Yep. Your quarterback, you sent a quarterback out there, one that nobody had really seen, but also the only time you've seen him is playing Wildcat. All he was known for was his runnability. Nobody respected the arm of on Joyner. No, and, you know, and I also, you know, talk about the previous coaches with that because everybody said that he didn't have the arm to be in a, uh, to be a college quarterback. I'm not going to get no personal pissing match with the coaches, all right? <laughs> but what I'm saying is they didn't look for that. Right. The Kieran Joyner was out he started throwing the ball around. North Carolina was not ready for that whatsoever. Gave up some big plays. Then Carolina also ran Joyner around a little bit. But what it did was it opened up the running game. And South Carolina in that game had one of their best rushing games of the season. Kevin Harris finally... Everybody said, oh, Harris must finally be healthy. He must finally be healthy. Look here. Kevin Harris, when he stepped foot on that field, you don't step foot on the field in a football game in college unless they think you're 100% healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you got a loaded running back position room like Carolina had. Okay? Oh, wow. Yes, sir. So the reason he had such a big game was because the defense keyed on the running abilities – of that dual threat quarterback. It opens up rushing lanes. If Carolina ran Joyner the whole damn game, Carolina would have got their ass cut by North Carolina. And if memory serves me correct, we can go back and replay that for you in a different episode, but that's exactly how we discussed in the preseason how South Carolina could win in the 2021 season. Oh, exactly. It's, that was the whole point of uh, Carolina having Luke Doty when they did, or any school with a dual threat quarterback. The beauty of a dual threat quarterback is the defense no longer is able to say the defense is no longer able to just key in on the running back as being a rusher. Right. They're no longer able to look at the quarterback as not a threat in the rushing attack. When you have to account for the quarterback in that rushing attack, you can no longer pin your ears back and just go straight after the tailback or fullback or whatever. Right. You have to stay home. Exactly. You got to stay home, wait for that quarterback. When you stay home, when somebody accounts for that quarterback, that's one less player accounting for the defense. Exactly. They have to actually stop and do their reads. There's no going wide open to one man. Exactly. And that's what happened with George Tech. The opposite. Yep. They did not, they were not able to flip the defenses. They were not able to earn the respect from the defenses towards the tailback. They keyed in on the quarterback and that got him. And that's what happened to Kentucky in 2020 before Will Levis. Yep. Same exact situation. Yep. Everybody's talking about how mobile that quarterback was, how good he could be, but man didn't have an arm. 
That's right. You look at Kentucky in 2020 versus 2021. They bring in Levis. Yes, he had dual threat potential. He could run the ball. He could run it like a damn fullback. Yeah. But he had the arm strength to also coincide with that. Yep. Now, Kentucky brought in some transfers to, you know, help that team out in 2021. But the biggest difference that I could see with that Kentucky team, not to turn this into a Kentucky podcast at all, but – it was the quarterback position. The quarterback position, the experience that quarterback position brought into it, the arm, just all the abilities in opening up the running game. That's exactly right. You use They used the passing attack and the physical ability of the quarterback to open up the running game for the tailback. Absolutely, man. You know, a lot of philosophies are you run to open up the pass. Some of the philosophies are you pass to open up the run, and that's what Kentucky did. That's why I always go back to one of my favorite words, balance. Absolutely. If you can be balanced, you do very well. Balance and consistency. Exactly. Keep the chains moving. Keep Keep your clock rolling. Keep your defense on the sideline breathing. Yep. But with all that being said, man, you got anything you want to say? Another thing I want to add is just what we were talking about there, consistency, consistency. you know, again, if if the chains are moving, if the clocks are running, it's hard for another team to score and win the game if they ain't got time left on that clock. No doubt, no doubt. But that that's really all I got to say about this Georgia Tech team, Bo. Yeah, same here. But um, we appreciate all y'all tuning in on this beautiful Saturday. Sorry, we did not get this thing out on Thursday. I got stuck late working. It happens, man. It happens to the best of us. Absolutely, man. But, you know, we're going to try to be back here Monday with a whole new podcast. And I believe we want to be uh, touching on the Florida Gators, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. Talking about them Florida Gators. Chomp, chomp. <laughs> they had a rough damn season themselves. It's going to be an interesting one to talk about. And I think I'm going to very thoroughly enjoy it just because some certain people called it in the preseason. Yes, sir. Some of us foreseen this big drop off, and I am going to enjoy every second of it. Absolutely. You know, you watch out. We might just bring in a little snippet of that episode for you. Yes, sir. No doubt. But with that being said, I appreciate y'all tuning in. Feel free to hit the like button, hit share, share with your friends on social media. If you're friends with us on Twitter, at First and Goal, or Facebook, the First and Goal podcast page, hit us up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're going, to, we're going to have some more things coming. We're probably going to uh, get us an Instagram page going on. Not to mention, you know, just keep an eye out for us on Twitter. We may be going live at some points. That's exactly right. Hell, you never know. Might be deceiving. Never know, man. But uh, we definitely appreciate you all. We love you, and we'll see you next time. That's right. Keep them drinks cold and keep the chains moving. Be good, y'all.